Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, and again, our good friend and Bible teacher, Donna Van Leer, is with us for episode 23. Did you know that? I did not. We are 23 episodes that. in on the Deeper Podcast since this summer when we launched, and it's been exciting. It's been cool to hear uh, people respond. People, we know people are actually listening. Um we, right. get, we get emails and tweets and texts, and uh, and we can see some of the numbers each and every week, but it's just exciting to know that folks are for listening. Can you see if they are actually uh, listening out of country yeah. as well, Mo? Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've had people, awesome. uh, Europe, uh, of course, our Canadian friends, eh? Uh, <laughs> which is technically international. Um, but yeah, like definitely other countries have been tuning in as well including our friends Catherine and her family over in uh, in Israel they've been oh, that's pretty listening. Cool. so yeah hey so I have a question for you guys um thousand dollars if you, if you had to bet a thousand dollars right now who would be who's going to be the president on January thousand dollars you act like you got like just a thousand dollars just in your back pocket <laughs> Just yeah. throwing it on the table here. Yeah, like I'm over here like a fat stacks, yo. <laughs> I mean, can we lessen it to like, you know, maybe like a hundred bucks? Well, I want skin in the game because I'm asking a serious question. A like, what, who do we think? Because I'm telling you. It's a big question. You know what? It's been a couple weeks since we all went to the, the polls. Actually, two it's been weeks a, from today. Two weeks from today. And it's been a few. So yeah, today is uh, November 17th, the day of this recording. I early voted. Um, and I sure thought that I uh, knew who was going to be. Kanye. Kanye. That's true. <laughs> Which he was on the Tennessee ticket. So. He was. Yeah, man. He does not want to be a vote digger, but he was <laughs> he was on there anyway. Yeah, I thought I thought we would have had this figured out by now. Now was, of course NPR thinks it's all they've thought it's figured out already. Right. Well. So if you if you watch legacy media or the, you know, regular news channels, so on and so forth, I mean right now it's it's potentially common knowledge that Biden has won. Potentially common knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to preface this. According to According to the media, media mainstream yes. media, yeah. But they're not the ones that technically decide it. It's the states that decide it. Each each state has to uh, you know, submit the final uh, elector electorate vote um, by I think it's December eighth. December eighth, yeah. Technically. December eighth is the deadline for that. Um and so as we all know, it's still kind of up in the air. But for that for that thousand dollars, like right now, if you're asking me right now today, I still believe that I think Trump is still going to be. You've got to be kidding me! In for the next four years, I do. I, and I'm not saying that. Like I'm not I'm not a huge Trump guy, so I'm not like trying to like play for my team, you know, root for my team per se. Um. I obviously agree with you know the conservative stance, but based on everything I'm reading and researching and diving into, I'm I'm. You think he's going to pull this I out? I think this is going to turn. I don't yeah. think he is going to pull it out. Ah, <laughs> Donna I, puts her thousand dollars down. That's right. I I I think God has this. 
And I've been saying all along that Trump is going right. in for another four years. It's true. She has been saying that, by the way. Like yeah. I can confirm that even before the election that she was super confident, and I was not even kind of confident. <laughs> right. Right. Now, I'll, with Gore and Bush, we all remember that because we're all old enough to remember that. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea. I was saying this could go either way. It could go Gore. It could it could go Bush. Had no idea which way that was going to land. But with this one, I feel I just sense from the Holy Spirit. I sense that it is Trump because of Israel. Because of Israel. Because of Israel. There are things that have to play out, and we're moving at warp speed ahead. Yeah. And Trump is the only international leader right now on the world stage that is capable and willing to not only help Israel, defend Israel, but put these peace deals together, which we know from the book of Daniel, there has to be a peace covenant in place because the Antichrist is going to confirm it, and the word confirm there actually means strengthen, so he's gonna come along and strengthen Interesting, so you're not saying Trump is Antichrist because he's going to get the peace deal. Right, no, not at all. But Antichrist is going to strengthen a peace deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it, has it, to be, it has to be put into place. The Biden-Harris team aren't the people to do that, and there is no other world leader right now that's capable of well, doing that. There's no, to my knowledge, no other world leader that even would want to do that, let alone right. Right, be capable right. of it. And right now, Iran is salivating. Oh, yeah. Turkey is salivating. Russia. China. China. Because they know with Trump out of the way, they're going to be able to move ahead with, with their plans against Israel and the globalist movement. Yeah. See, now that is an interesting concept because I thought and you know, it still to me looks like um, Biden. It would take something crazy to to flip mm-hmm. this at this point, right? And so my thought was, you know, with if Trump stays in power, nobody from Iran to whoever they're not going to invade Israel while he's around, right? I mean, I vividly remember when they bombed and killed Soleimani on a uh, runway in Baghdad and thought. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm not pro Iran on any level, and thought that was a bold move to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. take him out. I mean, it was like their Colin Powell. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Colin Powell was a mass murdering torturer, right. you know, um, but it sure got Iran's attention, and it sure shut them up quickly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well as the others. And you know, there's an argument to be made that a lot of what's happening right now with these peace deals with the Sunni, uh, Saudi Arabia, UAE, mm-hmm. Bahrain. Sunni Islam, they are not Iran fans either. So you could see how Trump could bring them to the table. But dadgum, $1,000, like that's a... Well, you know, you said a minute ago, it would take something crazy to flip this thing. Yeah. And I'm looking, I'm staring 2020 in the rearview mirror thinking anything's possible. That's (laughs) fair. This year, like if there was a year for something crazy or crazier to happen, uh, this would be the year. It's just... Yeah. I don't know if any of you saw the, the video. It was Justin Trudeau back in September. Did you see that? Well, yeah. There was a more recent one, so I'm not sure exactly which one you're referring talking to. Talking about the global reset. Okay, yeah. So that's the one I was sharing with Darren yeah. earlier today. He was talking about the phrase you're going to hear everywhere, if you haven't already, is, and Biden's been using it, <clears throat> it's the build back better phrase mm-hmm. and the great reset phrase. Um, you're going to hear that if you haven't already, and you're going to see it 
everywhere. And it's it's they're talking about a new world order. Yes. That there has to be a new world that has to come together. And there's one man standing in the way. And that's Donald Trump. Well, it would so that's a fascinating thought. So, because you know, I've, I've joked about it, but like I'm really trying so hard not <laughs> to be a conspiracy theory guy. And then you know, like Klaus Schwab releases a book about Build Back Better. You know, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, billionaires from Europe, mysterious, and like oh, that, that gum. I mean, that's hard to argue with that. Like, yeah. So if you want to have if you want to have some fun, and I know some listeners um, that that do like to research the things that we throw out there, um, you can Google search uh, Klaus. Schwab, he is the World Economic Forum leader, and you can just Google World Economic Forum. Um, you can, you know, Google or Twitter search the Great Reset. These are just some phrases that might just kind of get you on your way to maybe researching and doing some of your own uh, findings on some of these things we're talking about. I mean, if you're going to write a novel. And you needed a villain. Would you not choose Klaus <laughs> Schwab? Like, as if you the could guy? see, yeah, Klaus Schwab. You, you should see a picture like, of this guy too. It's just. Does he look like Gavin Newsom? Because no. I, oh, okay. See, Gavin Newsom has that sort of like villain look uh, from like a Batman movie. But so Klaus I is think that about Chuck Schumer. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Well, for some reason, <laughs> right. every picture they put, you know, they put online of him is his face is kind of twisted up in rage, and he does, he always looks like a I feel like he yells like at a, his wife, yes, right? Like right. He just feels like he just yells yeah. a lot. Of course, in fairness, I, I think probably Trump does that as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Sure. A I lot mean, of yelling around the Trump house. I'm sure. Yeah. So to that end, I mean, the uh, you know, I, I've actually it spent some time. Uh, Kind of going back over the last few years, and uh, I rewatched the documentary Citizen Four, which was about Edward Snowden. Mm. Um, and what triggered me was Glenn Greenwald, who's a uh, another uh, media journalist, who, by the way, liberal, um, homosexual, and not by any means, by any stretch, is he conservative mm. at all. Uh, he's the guy that Snowden reached out to uh, when he worked for the Garden Guardian and the Washington Post, and then Greenwald. Uh, leaves those, uh, starts his own called The Intercept, and then just literally like a month ago, quits because he's trying to write a piece on Hunter Biden uh, and what's happening there. And his the magazine, the newspaper that he co-founded, censors him and says, you can't write about this. And so he does, which is a very bold move, he quits and um, starts a Substack, which I've subscribed to. Him and Matt Taibbi are both guys that if you're looking for somebody... <laughs> who isn't a quote-unquote conservative that has an axe to grind or whatever, but just somebody that's just trying to find the truth. Glenn Greenwald is one of those guys. And uh, his this documentary on Citizen Four, um, I don't know, I look back and I remembered at the time thinking, well, what's the big deal, you know? They're, 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 they're not really looking at my phones or whatever. And this was during the Obama administration. That he, uh, Snowden was with the NSA and... But I'm watching it last night going, man, they did all of this in the name of safety. You guys can't do anything. We got, we're going to be checking your phones, your, you know, all your stuff. And because they wanted to keep us safe, that was the pitch. And, mm-hmm. and that wasn't a Republican-Democrat thing. That was a both thing. Like, they were both in on that. Bipartisan. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay. You know, so you watch that, and it's all about keeping us safe. Uh, and then I, I did find myself watching a documentary called Kill Chain, The Cyber War on America's Elections, which is on Amazon Prime right now. 
released before the election, by the way, um, and not released by, again, by a Republican, by a conservative, by you know some think tank trying to make a point. Uh, if anything, what I remember happening before, and I think everybody can remember this, was a lot of people on the left were trying to set up that this is going to be an election that we will not know what happened. Like they, they were, they were setting it up to uh, to be able to accuse it of fraud. I mean, literally NPR the day of the election, the morning up, they were talking about fraud and voter suppression and those things. And but the, the kill chain was a reminder that uh, the electronic voting is very much open to hacking. Mm-hmm. I am not saying that's what happened in this election. I don't know. That's above my pay grade. But when you start hearing about this company called Dominion, uh, again, so you're writing a novel. Klaus Schwab is the uh, villain, and his company is called Dominion. <laughs> like you couldn't make it's like a Batman movie. But right. uh, and then make sure the chairman of the board of that company is on the presidential transition team for see, the president elect. See? And and the servers are where mo is this is this confirmed or is this like Yeah, no, they have servers. Well what came out this afternoon is that they've also well there's servers in Germany and then they've they've mentioned today that they found servers in Serbia. Um, all connected to uh, Dominion connected to um, a couple of other of these companies. Smartmatic. Smartmatic which is uh, also tied to a voting machine maker ES and S. Um, yeah, they're offshore. Wow. Is there any, I mean, just out of curiosity, why would they be offshore? Like on what planet do they think, this right. will be a great idea, we'll put them offshore, because right. that won't, that won't, you know, that'll pass the smell test. There's, yeah, there's, there's so, it is very complicated. It is very complicated and you have to really dig to try to get some answers to it. And it's like everything else. I mean, you really have to use some uh, discernment mm-hmm. um, to not get caught up in the whole conspiracy yeah. theory world. And not go chasing every rabbit chase, hole either. Yeah, chase yeah, yeah. every rabbit hole. Right. And then, and the other side, you know, don't just stick your head in the sand and believe everything that you're hearing. And so somewhere in the middle of that, like always, is yeah, the truth. Sure. The truth, yep. And, and as believers, we have to pray mm-hmm. that the truth will be known. Right, that it will, will rise found up. out, right. right. Well, I have vivid memories in um, this spring, because it wasn't that long ago, when Biden was... Uh, presumed to have won the Democratic uh, primary. Uh, wasn't done yet, but it was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, every media outlet that I heard referred to him as the presumed nominee leading up to the uh, convention. And I, But the reason I remembered it was I was thinking, man, are they setting this up so that at the convention they do a flip and Kamala becomes the president and they declare him oh, unfit? Uh-huh. I, you know, this, I was just my mind. I was thinking that. Mm-hmm. But what I was... What I remembered was they referred to him as the presumed, and there's not a single outlet that I have heard this past month, this past two weeks, I should say, referring to him as the presumed. They are saying he is Mm president-elect, declaring Mm -hmm. it as if it is so. Um, Yeah, I think one of the biggest frustrating parts in this entire thing is just the fact that there's so many conflict of interests on... um, Within the Democratic side and the and the voting mm-hmm. machine companies, I mean, the conflict of interest just run wild. Do you think it's because it's the tech companies and tech companies tech are, are going to be uh, liberal Democratic? Maybe. I mean, possibly. I mean, so Smartmatic they have a board and they have a law firm that represents them. That law firm just happened to employ Kamala Harris's husband. 
Um, Sorry. So that's a bit you of a warn me when you do something like that. Like, for real? <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a conflict of interest. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. He has since stepped down because, well, as you, you know, should, yeah, yeah. You know, he wants to support uh, being the vice president and husband. Yeah. Uh, seems perhaps premature to step down from the law firm. Yeah. But he's a partner. Hire him back. Uh, but it's just so many conflict of interest that just makes it hard to not think. I mean, clearly there's smoke, right? But I think what everybody's waiting on is like, where's the fire? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like if if it truly is fraudulent, then and if it truly is, we really need where's to the evidence? Pray for the truth, truth yeah. it'll be brought out because for you, no election is ever going to be safe. Right. Again. True. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. we we the people <laughs> deserve yeah. to know the truth, and again, as believers, we have to pray that the truth will come Absolutely. out. The yeah. Truth. yeah, because I, yeah, I would say that, that that's the, 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 the prayer is that, that the truth, mm-hmm. will, and whether, if the truth is the Biden one, then that's mm-hmm. the truth. Like that's right. all we're really saying. Like yeah. what's the truth? Because you think back, like, I mean, when, when Trump won, and you know, I've made no secret around my circles that I didn't vote for him. I voted third party. Um, I just can't get my mind wrapped around voting for someone um, that, uh, would be for killing unborn children. I just, I just can't. John Piper, Tim Keller, you know, they're smart people that believe that. I just can't. Uh, this time around, you know, it was a little different for me because um, I was looking at basically two options here, and you know, it was, it was a. I, I just didn't want somebody that's going to come in and say we got to, you know, we're going to shut the company country down. We're going to mm-hmm. shut everything down. We're going to, you know, and so. But what I remember um, from four years ago was when the conflict of interest was what they were hammering him with. And I actually agreed with that. I'm like, hey, yeah, I don't know how you do that. How do you, when you own these companies, Yeah. like on the one hand, you want somebody who's, you know, had a job, for instance, you've had a job. So that's one thing. You've signed a check, you know, the front of a check, not just the back. But they were hammering him with the conflict of interest thing. And I th- it's hard to argue with that. Like that was that made right. they made good points. I don't know what the right answer was, but here we are now with conflict of interest. Like we're like drowning in conflict of interest, mm-hmm. and I can't find a single legacy news piece that would that would cover that. But at the end of the day, the truth is really what we want. I mean, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. About you know those, I said there was four leaders in Daniel, but there's actually five mm-hmm. because I'd skipped over Jehoiakim. I missed the, missed the king of Israel, but. Every one of those, when I look at those, like, would I have voted for Cyrus or would I have voted for Darius if they were running against each other, right? Who would I vote for if it was Nebuchadnezzar versus Jehoiakim, you know, right? I probably would have went with Jehoiakim because that was the one I knew, even though he was wicked and did mm-hmm. wicked in the eyes of the Lord. I'm like, well, he was at least the guy I know, and God didn't vote that way. And so I, whatever's going to happen, I truly believe that it, it will be the Lord. And I know that that's some... In some ways, is a cop out, but it's not. It's just saying the sovereignty of God. That if God wants mm-hmm. this in the the prayers of the saints, which we pray for the truth, we pray for it to be revealed. Um, it's an interesting idea that the idea that these these um, if, if that's where we where we are in the timeline, right, of God's uh, calendar, that uh, uh, having a peace accord that is strengthened makes. I had not thought of that. That's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but whoever it is on January 21, that's who the Lord has put in place. And the question for us as the church is, okay, so who are we then? Because that's, I mean, the Lord, Daniel 2.21, the Lord puts kings in power and the Lord deposes kings. Mm-hmm. He just does. And that's, 
uh, for, for and he him. uses all, he uses all of them. We like to think that he right, just right. uses the good guys, but yeah. no, he uses the bad guys too. It's, right, and over history, that's been proven. Mm-hmm. And even the, the the most evil and awful of them, the Lord doesn't waste it because after the the atrocities that happened from under Hitler, the world for the first time was ready to bring Israel back and give Israel a nation because it was his darkness and his depth of depravity exposed to the world the anti-Semitism and it just absolutely cleared a path for modern day Israel to be mm-hmm. born. Um, why does he do it that way? That'll be a great question that we'll ask when we get to heaven. Um, the old saying that a God big enough to be understood is not big enough to be worshipped I'm reminded of. Um, and so whatever's happening here, like uh, in these next few weeks and months, uh, what we get to be is the bride of Christ, which Revelation 19 is where we spent um, Sunday. And I was really struck. Uh, it sort of started in our sermon prep meeting, but then Saturday night, I was like, there's actually three juxtapositions in this passage. There's the two meals, right? The one where you are invited to the meal, the other where you're invited to be the meal. There are two kings in Revelation 19. There's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and there is the king of the kings of the earth, the, the Antichrist. And there are two women. There's the, the prostitute, and there's the bride. And as we are looking now, like that's what we will be one day. These are things when God is restoring the earth. And the tension I think we feel, actually it's probably what I feel right now, is that we are redeemed people living in a world that is not yet restored. Mm-hmm. And so redeemed, we see what we want in a leader. We see what we don't want in a leader, but we're in a non-restored world, so we're not going to get a leader like that. And the question I wanted to ask us today is, um, what we get to be now is the bride of Christ. I was thinking about that from Ephesians 5, verse 25, 6, 7, that Jesus says that we're going to be, he's preparing us to be a radiant bride, to present us as a radiant, as a glorious bride. And what that looks like for us in this world, to to have a conversation like this is, it's fine, like it's it's great, but what does the radiant bride of Christ do in a world like this where it's torn between the two? And, you know, here we are, it's November, they're about, to, they're locking down again in the Northwest, they're locking down in Europe, and it's like this really frustrating and heavy time. But how do we be the radiant bride of Christ in this time? Um, and I would ask you guys, what are we? What are you doing right now in your lives that puts you in a position where you feel like okay, this is actually making more? Sorry, someone is out the door, <laughs> making you more the radiant bride of Christ than the prostitute out there trying to earn and, and angry and you know, that's not what's going to draw people in, right? It's the it's the bride of Christ. Like, what is it that that would look like for us to be redeemed, radiant bride of Christ? in a world that has not yet been restored. Well, when we think of the bride in relation to Revelation 19, we see the bride coming back with Jesus. Yeah. So we know that she is coming back to rule and to reign with him Hmm. for those thousand years. And 
for me, it's kind of like a wake-up call for the church hmm. in that you have to be telling people that Jesus is coming back. And when you look at what the Bible says, when you see the signs that are all around us in the world, we know that we're closer today than we were yesterday. And just last week I had a friend tell me, she said, um, Donna, your thing is for the church to wake up. That's your thing. <laughs> well, I guess if that's my thing, it's a good one to hang my hat on, I guess. But it kind of is my thing because I do want the collective church to wake up and to see the season that we're in and to realize that you are salt, you are light, and not to add to the toxicity that's on social media or in your workplace, in your community, don't add to that, but add light to yeah. those conversations, the light of Jesus, and let people know, hey, he's coming back. It's a promise in his word. It's That's what it says, God's word. It's a promise there for all of us. And to to really look up and realize the season that we're in, that's the only reason that I say that Trump is going to win because of what God's Word says, because of the Bible. Not because I think he's a great and awesome guy. No, not at mm -hmm. all. But I'm just standing on what God has said, and from researching it, from looking into it, I know what season we're in. Yeah, and recognizing the season we're in, I mean, that was some, one of the things I brought up on Sunday was knowing where we are, you know, in the story of creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. Mm -hmm. We are in redemption, and we're moving to restoration. But if you were to be more accurate of it, we're kind of to the end of rest of redemption. Like we're pretty close to restoration. I was. I know that people have said it over the years, and people have been convinced that they it was their season, and there were reasons that they did. But man, can you ever remember a time in the history of the Earth where 189 presidents? kings, prime ministers, whoever, whatever the leaders of their countries were, 189 countries, all of them, at the same time, locked down their countries because they were told to by the UN and by the WHO. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a fascinating uh, thought. And, and, you know, we could say it was whatever, safety, health, but, but the fact is, is that it happened. That's never happened before. Mm. And at the end of Revelation, 19 it talks about the beast and the kings all the kings of the earth that means everywhere from you know the philippines to new zealand like to the united states to the united states mm -hmm. we're not you know yeah we're not washed on this so it's like the, mm -hmm. knowing where we are in this which is the time to be awake because the the parable of the um the virgins they were asleep and and most nodding at me. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the, the parable of the virgins, Matthew 25. And there's actually three sections in Matthew 25 or like three different examples on how the, the, the church should be alert and what they should do during times like this. And, I, you know, that's like maybe a familiar parable or familiar chapter. But sometimes I like to read it in the message just to mix it up. Yeah. And, and just, you know, get it maybe just a more current spicy uh, yeah take on on what's being said and i'll just read these first couple verses and it's matthew chapter 25 
it's the first section that talks about the story of the virgins. And it says, God's kingdom is like 10 young virgins who took oil lamps and went out to greet the bridegroom. Five were silly and five were smart. This is Eugene Peterson. Silly. The silly virgins took lamps, but no extra oil. The smart virgins took jars of oil to feed their lamps. The bridegroom didn't show up when they expected. They all fell asleep. And something wow. that I've been thinking through and something that I've, I've said for, for years and, and I believe is that apathy is the enemy hmm. of the mm-hmm. church. This idea that we're just, we just, we just, we fall asleep at the wheel. We're comfortable. Um, we live in a culture that, you know, persecution isn't necessarily something we experience on a daily basis, mm-hmm. like our brothers and sisters around the world. And so we can be, we can be pretty apathetic yep. in our faith. And, uh, and so if you read towards the end of that section of the first part of Matthew 25, in verse 13, it says, so stay alert. You have no idea what might arrive or when he might arrive. Hmm. And, and I think that just speaks to something that we should be doing is being alert. Like, we need to not be apathetic during this time. Mm-hmm. Wake up and listen. And, and Jesus said that in Mark 13 yeah. several times. Be alert. Wake up, be alert. Vigilant. Yeah. Stay awake. And I, and I love, so there's three different sections in this. It's it's the, the virgins in the first part of that chapter, the story about investment, so it's the, you know, the talents, um, which down in verse 28 through 30 of Matthew 25, I think of, I liken it to the lockdowns in some ways, because it says in, in verse 28, hmm. take the thousand and give it to the one who risks the most and, and get rid of the quote unquote, play it safe. Who those that won't go out on the limb, and so to me it's like speaking to the church because it's the parable of the talents, right? Those that were willing to take the five thousand, the ten thousand, and invest and invest it and double their return. Um, and, and the verbiage in that chapter, in that passage, is really encouraging the believer to not just play it safe and just bury your treasure but to get work done while you're waiting for him to come back. Yeah. And I feel like that's been our heart at Conduit and the mindset of like, we've got work to do yeah. regardless. Yeah, that is an interesting uh, take because the one thing that we have been told uh, to do is lock ourselves in our homes and hide. Um, and obviously... There are those who uh, are high risk with underlying conditions and things that are dangerous to them that they should do that or could do that. But on no planet in history uh, has the church shrunk back in times of danger. And, you know, of course, wisdom, of course, all that stuff. So, I mean, save the email, but of course, right. um, safe and sensible. Yes. But, you know, on Sunday, we gathered together. Uh, Rhonda Wicks is there. We find out about the hurricane in Honduras that's hitting right now. Mm. And we sent her out the door with $5,000 to send food now. To, it's literally going to save lives tomorrow in Honduras because we gathered as a church on Sunday. Mm. I can't think of anything more essential than that. Yeah. You know, three families are free right now in South Asia that we've been fighting for. We've told you about them on here before. Pray for them. That actually happened today. Mm. But that money came in during a gathering. You know, am I all about the money? Absolutely, because that money is a tool, not to pad. Of course, if you, 
Maybe it could be to pad our pockets and we're just doing it wrong, but that's not how it's worked at Conduit. We have been padding the kingdom of God with work to be done for souls. And so shrinking back, it feels like that's a, to me, that felt like this is the time to be awake. Right. I just posted this this morning on Facebook. It's from Nehemiah 6, verse 9. They were trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. So it's like I that just, does feel like us, doesn't right, it? Right. <laughs> it, it feels like conduit. And I I recently read it was either R. A. Tory or, or D. L. Moody because I'm reading two, two books by so I'm not sure which one said it, but one of them said there are churches who get and churches who give. Hmm. There are two types of churches. Hmm. And Man, is, golly, let us be one of those who give. Right, wow, definitely one that gives, and particularly during this during this time, we keep reading about the the isolation, the suicides, the mental distress, yes. the hunger that kids are going through, and knowing that conduit is still there and other churches obviously yeah. are still there serving the least yeah. of these. And that's true. There are churches out there that are doing that. And that is 100% what the church does at a time like this. Mm-hmm. Um, crisis moments, hospitals don't shut down. Fire departments don't close. Police departments don't. So neither do churches. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. We don't shrink back or uh, we, we, we increase our capacity in that time. And I told our staff in our staff meeting this morning, that this is not, and I want them to know that because I want them to be able to say it for themselves too, but we're not making some sort of a religious rights kind of statement here that we have the right to do this come hell or high water. We're making a statement that what we're doing is every bit as essential Mm -hmm. as a hospital. And I think that we 100% could, again, if you could find our brothers and sisters in Nepal this week and ask them when they got their food, is conduit gathering legal or is it essential or not? They're not going to, you know, they're not going to say is it illegal or legal. They're going to ask is it essential, and it is essential for that. And I have ten years of anecdotal evidence that show that whenever we do any kind of initiative, if we do it in person, the impact at least doubles, mm-hmm. if not triples. Sure, it just does. And uh, th- there's no question about that. There's no. It's not even a debate. That is in person. We will get a better impact. Yeah, well, your impact, your doubles and triples, to me, again, is is the parable of the talents. We're getting a return on the, on the investment of gathering together. Hmm. Matthew 25, again, this is still the message, but again, I just love how, I just love how it's rendered. It says, you're talking about the servant that gave 1,000. And it's, the, it's the, the servant replying, Master, I know you have, a high, you have high standards and hate careless ways that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. And the master was furious. Hmm. That is a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would be to invest the sum with bankers, hmm. where at least you would have gotten a little interest. And to wow. me, that that just kind of speaks to. Well, I tell, I tell you what that speaks to is it speaks to a couple of things. One is that someone who is refusing lockdown, refusing whatever, and it's just about your rights as an American citizen. There is an argument to be made 
about amendments and the Constitution. Sure. Okay. But that's not the argument that Jesus makes. No. And it's not the argument that we're making, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to be coming out of your home, um, go out and make a difference, right? Go be a part of whether it's helping at Place of Hope, helping at food kitchens, help you, but get out and do things that are kingdom of God related. I promise you there's need all around us right now. And if you are uh, looking to triple your investment, you know, hey, we got some stuff at Conduit, we could uh, triple your investment. But as it relates to even just your own personal, when it comes to the radiant bride of Christ, he's not making an angry bride. Yeah, He's not making a bitter bride, a cynical bride. And I get it. It's hard to not become the cynical bride um, when you're looking at the, the, the kingdoms of this world, the dominion of this world. Hard not to get cynical, but that's not what he's doing with us. He's making us a radiant bride. Mm-hmm. And practically speaking, um, for me, like I look back to March and April and think, okay, what did I do back then that really worked? And maybe maybe we even got a little lax even over the summer as things were starting to relax a little bit and numbers are going up and things are seeming so uncertain again. And I was thinking back, okay, what was it that I did that that really impacted and nourished my soul? And what was it that I did that ate away at my soul? which I talked about a little on Sunday, the two meals, right? The the one meal is the one we're invited to partake of. The other is the meal that you get eaten. And the one thing that I did too much of in the spring was news. Like I just, and I don't even want to call it news anymore <laughs> because I don't think that's what's happening. It's mm-hmm. the, to- the story time. Like what story <laughs> is, am, being is being spun? <laughs> and that can come from any, any mm-hmm. side, but that's not... That wasn't nourishing me. Mm-hmm. It was tearing me down. It was eating me up. And let's be honest. Like we want to know because we we are making decisions sure. that are important decisions. Yeah. But at some point, I'm honest with myself going, okay, but that's enough of that. Like I know now. Like I don't need more. Mm-hmm. Like this idea that more and more because, we, you know, the entire business model of a legacy media organization is not just to get you to read. It's to get you to keep reading. Mm-hmm. Not just to get you to watch, but to get you to keep watching. They don't even try to pretend it. Like, that's literally their plan. Social dilemma, right, is 100%. And I, to me, that was the birds of the air, which always speak of evil in the Bible, pecking away at them literally. Mm-hmm. That stuff pecked away at me emotionally. It made me angry, and it made me bitter. And when I looked at the promise of Jesus, when it says that this passage in Ephesians, which is talking about marriage— But it says in Ephesians 5 that just as Christ, uh, verse 25, just as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church. And I was like, okay, I've got to go back. The washing of the word is what was nourishing me. Mm -hmm. And whether that is a few moments in the morning, I do know this, if most of my time is being spent on news or social media or even more of it. Like if there's some 20 minutes a day on the word and three hours a day on social media, well then there's obviously a disparity there. And it's, if nothing else just give you a, a, a point to say, let me maybe stop this and, mm-hmm. and, and reverse it around. Um, so that's one way that I've, I'm thinking, okay, I, that did work for me in the spring. 
when I stopped that and I'm mm-hmm. doing it again right now, okay, I'm not going to let yeah. myself get eaten alive by, you know, legacy news organizations that want to spin and eat mm-hmm. away at my soul. I'm going to allow the Lord to nourish my soul mm-hmm. on a daily basis. I like your imagery there, uh, pecking away at you because that's exactly yeah. what happens. It kind of pecks away at your soul, at your spirit. Fear starts to rise. Mm-hmm. And in Revelation 19, where it talks about the birds of the air coming down, in Matthew 24, Jesus gave a glimpse of that. Hmm. If you remember, because he says, where the corpse lies, oh, yeah. the vultures the vultures come. Yeah. And there's a lot of dead men walking right now, even in the church. Wow, yeah. And their souls are being pecked away by, by exactly what you just said, through the media, through fear, um, through what we're being fed. And we have to we have to flip it. We have yeah. to flip the script. Yeah, because I don't know. Have you ever have you ever watched a bird eat before? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just passed one. Uh, yeah, around <laughs> on here a we, skunk, a vulture. Oh, yeah, around here we have these vultures. I think they're called turkey buzzards, mm-hmm. and they have like conventions. I think like they'll, just, like, they'll come together like twenty five of them. Well, okay, let's go eat this deer or whatever you know. But they they tear apart the carcass. Mm-hmm one shred at a time. And that does feel exactly like what most of what, uh, and again, I, I don't know what else to call it, but news is not what it is anymore. Right. Um, That's why there's a, being a mass exodus right now from mainstream media. People are seeking out independent journalists yeah. that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, I mean, look, I'm not gonna give you, uh, I don't make any money off of this, but if you wanna know like where does Darren go, who does Darren read? Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald are both guys, and I, I I read them a lot because I know they don't they're not trying to spin anything from my worldview. They're actually telling. And, and does everybody have a bias? Yeah, probably, but I at least know they're not trying to uh, get their clicks up on a on a website that uh, that has an obvious thing with it. And that's uh, even with that. I can still get a little angry and a little cynical, so I gotta, I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta back off. Yeah, and, and I think it's the anger and the cynicism that can lead to the apathy. It's just like you know, it's oh, so yeah. overwhelming. There's so much information. I don't know who to believe. It's so confusing. You know, it changes all the time, and and, and it's just. I think most people have the proclivity just to give up on it. Like hmm. whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. You know, I'm waiting for somebody to tell me what to do. And that's the apathy that's just so dangerous. And that's what he's warning against about, you know, you need to stay alert, stay vigilant. Yeah. And aware. And what is that? What is that verse in um, Hebrews 10? Spur one another on and in, in 24. 24. Yeah. yeah good, to deeds, good works. Yeah. And to assemble together all the more as we see the day approaching. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> the day, meaning the day of Christ's yeah. return. Yeah. Anytime, um, I mean, one one of our codes at Conduit is ten twenty four from Hebrews ten twenty four. Well, it was. I'm gonna have to change it. Change now. it now. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have anything in there worth stealing anymore? Uh, like, probably. I don't, Jason would have something to say. Oh, that's fair. That. Yeah, uh, some microphone uh, or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to get used to that. For so long, like if you broke into the trailer at our church, like, well, go ahead. You know, you do me a favor. Our soundboard, I couldn't even sell it on Craigslist. I couldn't even give it away on Craigslist when right. I was done, but. But um, <clears throat> Hebrews ten twenty four. Actually, I'm looking over. It's on my wall, yeah. um, because I felt like that was the passage that the Lord gave me for uh, conduit. Um, because having grown up in a church 
world where we were in church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, prayer, Thursday night, you know, men's group, Friday night, whatever. I sort of got tired of that. And, you know, of course, how many times were we bloodied up with the, you know, forsake not the assembling of yourselves right. together as they go to church. you got to go to church, got to go to church. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's actually all one sentence. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It's not two different right. thoughts. It's the same yeah. thought. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Perfect. And I feel like that was the picture he gave us for Conduit. Uh, somebody told me once, Jim Cook said, hey, Darren, it feels like going to church at Conduit's like going to church at a GoFundMe. Um, should have called it GoFundMe Church. And, <laughs> And I actually was kind of like, hey, that's, actually, that's a pretty good idea. We probably should have done that. But um, but that said, that was what I, we we want that to be every week. And the thing that was good about this, and I maybe this is good for church in general, which is the question, are we essential to gather? And what, why are we essential? Not just because of the religious right to do this, mm-hmm. because that wasn't a good enough reason for an epidemiologist, mm-hmm. um, because it's our right but is it essential meaning that our lives being saved mm-hmm. spiritually, emotionally, physically? And for churches right now, that's a good question to ask. And if the answer is no, then start making some changes. Mm-hmm. You know, as a pastor, I, again, I can give you 10 years of anecdotal evidence that when I stand up and say, hey, this thing in Honduras, we need to figure something out. Like our monthly offering, as far as our tithes, you know, for taking care of the bills for the church, they don't go up or down. They don't get changed ever. God just miraculously mm-hmm. provides when you just trust that the Holy Spirit can lead and guide people. Right. And by doing that, every Sunday, lives are being changed. Now we didn't do that just for the pandemic, but that you know, it was that was why I was I was able to say, I mean, you know what, to our elders, yeah, what we're doing matters here, mm-hmm. and we want to continue to do that. I, th- I remember uh, saying to you, Darren, when the church opened up back in, was it May when we opened up? June. June. June uh, I noticed that the elderly people were right there. Man, they sure were, weren't they? They just came back and they were right there in the front again. And because they know Hebrews ten twenty four, it's yeah. encouragement to them to be there. Yeah. Because we do spur one another on to yeah. good deeds and... And doggone it, like that's that's their choice to do that. Mm-hmm. They know they're not stupid, right? Like the, Ernie and Shirley risk. Smith are right. not stupid. They're right. not like we've got to help them because they don't know any better, right? You know, you hear these people talk about this pursuit of safety, and they're like, "We just want to live." Mm-hmm. I remember Phyllis, you know, eighty nine years old. I was like trying to get her to come to the eight thirty service because <laughs> it was more spread out. Right. And she grabbed my cheeks and said, "Honey, <laughs> I'm eighty nine years uh-huh. old." I don't want to get up at 8.30 in the morning. I'll come <laughs> at 11.30. I know right. what my risks are, and I'm going to come when I want to come. I'm like, oh. yeah. you know, I've lived a lot of life. Mm-hmm. She said, I don't want to spend the, what, what few years I have, I don't want to spend hiding in a corner. Right, exactly. Like, it's hard to argue with Phyllis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's the, the challenge of, um, again, so epidemiology, they know about viruses, but the one thing that the church knows about is the human soul. Mm-hmm. And any policy that requires on someone crushing their soul to kill a virus is not, that's not a viable option. Mm. I don't know if you saw Dr. Fauci on Jake Tapper with CNN and Jake Tapper said, so Christmas is not possible. Yeah. 
So Christmas is shelved, according to Tapper and Fauci. Yeah. It's like Christmas is already in full swing at our house, you know, yeah. and it's going to be full swing at Conduit because yeah. the virus is, isn't going to shut down the birth of Jesus. It's just not going to do that. No, and I guess that's what makes me, okay, so this is, Darren, maybe putting on a cynical, I might need Jesus to come wash my dress again, but um, <laughs> that is uh, one of the dumbest because again, so holding your head under water, okay, will contain the coronavirus. Like mm-hmm. you can stop the virus if we all just put our head under water, mm-hmm. but that's not a sustainable plan, just because it could work. And listening to these brilliant thinkers um, with this very myopic approach, like if if your plan depends on a hundred percent of the people participate, that's actually just not a plan. That's mm-hmm. not a plan at all. Now. For Christmas, for Thanksgiving, be safe, mm-hmm. eat outside, all those things are, but man, if that's their plan, like, uh, in the, you know, that's just not, a, that's not an option right. for stop most Christmas. of America. Yeah, we're going to stop <laughs> right. Christmas. Isn't that what the Scrooge did? Like, again, right. so we're back to the, <laughs> the Grinch. <laughs> the Grinch that stole Christmas. Yeah. Oh, man. And I hate to, I'm laughing and I don't, you know, I feel like I got a caveat all the time because someone's going to think, oh, they're not, they're being cavalier about this. Well, no, I we've think all we're three ten, had it. We've, we've all three had, had it. it. I don't want ahead. anybody to get it. Right. Yeah. You know, but we're 10, 11 months into this now. And so, you know, people can truly, assess the data, the information, and make a decision for themselves. Like, at some point, like, <laughs> just the personal responsibility is they're available. Like, in the, in the early months, there was a lot of questions. Oh, yeah, And we needed to make, we needed to make some decisions and be, and be, you know, over the top, perhaps, because we didn't know all the information. But when we're almost a year into this, like we know the risks, we know the vulnerable, who is, who isn't. There's there's a lot more comfort in that and allowing individuals and allowing families to make decisions for themselves mm-hmm. seems fair at yeah. this point. Yeah. And they were even saying in that interview, you know, we're not going to be pulling out of this until maybe the third quarter of 2021. Hmm. to still remain in these lockdowns. And when we go back to the Bride of Christ, we we cannot be part that's spreading the fear. Yeah. Again, we have to be the ones that are spreading the light. Yeah. Not not this toxic poison that's seeping over us <laughs> through the mainstream media and through social media. We we have to be we have to be different. Yeah. I, the, you know, <clears throat> the Lord is returning for a pure bride Mm -hmm. and it's going to take work for us to make sure that we are we're living righteous like we are a righteous and pure bride i i have a unique perspective right now because my my son is engaged uh we have a wedding in six months oh wow right and so uh so six months from now between now and then there are there are preparations that are being made Hmm. you know lauren is uh, she's working hard on getting everything together, um, both logistically for the event, um, on herself personally. You know, she's got a goal of you know cutting some weight and you know getting fit and trim for her dress. And uh, you know, Micah's got some goals of his own. You know, for that special day and you know getting all their ducks in a row between now and then. And and so there's there's they're putting in the work. Like there's preparation that needs to to take place for that wedding day and 
And that happens for every wedding. Mm -hmm. And so why would it be any different for this wedding? And what are we doing to prepare for that day? Right. We have to ask ourselves, okay, what are we doing with our bodies? What are we doing with our time? What sort of relationships are are we in? What are we looking at? What are we watching? What are we listening? Because Christ is returning for that pure and spotless bride. Not sinless, because we all sin, of course. But... I mean, are we engaging in the practice of sin? Are we doing that? Are we right. soiling our clothes? Because that's who, I mean, Jesus even said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Hmm. Is he going to find faith or is he going to find fear? Yeah. Where's yeah. he going to find his bride? Looking right. up or in, a, you know, crumpled up in a corner? Right. Yeah. And uh, to be clear, just in case anybody is listening and wonders, like we, we're taking it seriously. We're safe and sensible are what mm-hmm. we're doing. We've been testing like the NFL. Yes. <laughs> um, we have uh, cut all special events or parties or whatever. Like we're trying to, you know, we're basically fighting for the gathering. We're not being cavalier about this. And we're saying that the gathering is a normal thing that we want an hour of normal for everybody that is a Jesus person wants to come to condo on a Sunday. There's an hour of normal mm-hmm. for you to be there. Um, and for those who can't, they do stay home. They do stay home. Right. And we want them to stay mm-hmm. home. And, you know, we just sent out a, um, uh, just this week, a, a, we called it the che- conduit checkup, just to kind of see how people are doing and to, uh, to find the folks that maybe are watching online but are feeling disconnected so that we could be proactive in reaching out mm-hmm. to them, honoring their requests and honoring what they want and say that that's, you know, we want to love them in that way. Um and now for how long, you know, do, do people do this? There's a little bit of me thinking, you know, ask, you just keep praying and seeking the Lord. But is, is a year long enough? Um, at what point do you say, okay, I've got to live different. I've just, mm-hmm. I can't live in my house for the rest of my life. Um, those are all decisions that the Holy Spirit can lead you on. And we certainly would not, but for any stretch of the imagination, uh, a want anybody to get it. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I didn't have a heavy case, but I didn't like it. Like, I don't want anybody. Um, I don't want our healthcare systems overwhelmed. None of us want any of that. Um, but what we want is to know that the kingdom of God, the radiant bride of Christ, is not crouching down in fear, but is actually rising up. I, I think of Matthew Barnett with the Dream Center in, in LA. Um, and L.A. is a crazy place right now, what's happening out there. But Matt is just like on the front lines. They're feeding people mm-hmm. in a city, housing homeless people. Uh, they just started gathering again about two or three weeks ago. They finally said, you know what? We're not waiting for the governor anymore. Come mm-hmm. and arrest us. We're going to start gathering again. But here's a guy that the church was rising up. He didn't make it about the gathering. He made it about the impact. And for us a Conduit, that's what we would say. It's about the, a radiant bride for us. And... Um, and for those listening right now, I mean, I know this has been a, a, a the scenic route through Revelation 19, <laughs> but but it's the, the choice, right? The King of Kings versus the Kings mm-hmm. of the Earth. It's the the meal where you're going to get eaten, or the meal where you get to eat, mm-hmm. and the bride or the prostitute. And all three of those are choices we get to make uh, right now in our lives. It's um, interesting in Revelation 19, Darren, because. The word hallelujah is only used four times in the New Testament, all four of them in Revelation 19. And that's why Donna gets paid the big bucks. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that. I mean, hallelujah, the Christ is coming. Huh. I mean, it's what the, it's what the, the crowd is saying in heaven. And 
what the bride is saying is that hallelujah he's coming and the very first words in revelation 19 are after this well after what we always have to ask ourselves after what well after the whole babylon system is destroyed man's government man's religion you know his economics everything all of that is destroyed and it says after this and then the hallelujah Mm. start because christ is coming the kingdom uh, is coming we have to remind ourselves of that the kingdom is coming and I can think of hardly any better reason to say hallelujah four times than that the kingdoms of this world are no more. Mm-hmm. Because, again, a redeemed person, I want a redeemed government. I want a restored government. And it's just not possible in a world that isn't restored. Mm-hmm. And so the frustration that I think most of us feel, the tension that most of us feel, is just that, that the, this world system that we are in is always going to the logical conclusion of any government without God is going to be Babylon. And so thousands of years of human history mm-hmm. and we'll be able to finally, when it says the government will be upon his shoulders, Isaiah, uh, the prophet said that, that I think that that's part of it. Like, okay, we've done it. We tried it all mm-hmm. and ain't none of them worked because we were sinful people uh, in, in a fallen world trying to make it work and with Jesus the perfect government the perfect justice the cries for peace right no justice no peace we will get peace because we will finally have perfect justice yeah, we will get justice yes right it's interesting I just thought of this you know the the world is crying for a great reset mm-hmm. and huh. there will be one yep great point ironic isn't it yep the restoration is coming and it's as if you know Lucifer and his Minions, they 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 have an idea of what the Great Reset looks like. Yes, and it's wild mm-hmm. that it's called that because it, the Great Reset is indeed coming. The restoration mm-hmm. of the world is coming. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's why I said that you know Iran and so many other countries are just salivating right now. The demons are salivating because they believe their Great Reset mm-hmm. is coming. Mm-hmm. But I just really feel from a biblical perspective, it's not yet time that yeah, great, the great restoration yeah, right. is coming. Yeah, every time it seems in Scripture there's a there's always you know, whatever Jesus, there's going to be a, a, a fake version of it, right? Mm-hmm. A false version of it from the world. Counterfeit. Counterfeit. Mm-hmm. There's the word. Someone get the nouns. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, uh, that that is fascinating. I had not thought of that because that's exactly what Revelation 19, 20, 21, 22 is talking yes. about is a great restoration, a new heaven, a new earth, but with God in control, not with uh, with Antichrist, mm-hmm. not with the world, with Babylon. With yeah. And you can be darn sure that whatever's coming right now in the world reset is uh, is going to come with force. Mm-hmm. It's going to come with uh, with emptiness, and because uh, it's always. I mean, it's, this. Humans have been around for a long time now, and we will not be the first generation that sees a, a government finally go, oh, that was the perfect government. We finally got that one right. We're just not going to be that one. It's not going to happen. And even our government, the American government, which has been great. I love it. I love much about it. But man, the older I get, the more frustrated I yeah, get. Yeah, I mean, I think anything that's counterfeit leaves you wanting. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I even think of like, you know, a Chick-fil-A sandwich versus... A McDonald's chicken sandwich. 
That's the counterfeit. Right. Not even close. <laughs> Not even yeah. close. It leaves you wanting Yeah, when more. you juxtapose it like that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of Or, you know, the sad. big K cola versus, you know, an ice cold Coca-Cola. <laughs> the counterfeit <laughs> version, K. it always oh, leaves man. you wanting. And oh, man. I think the same can be said here. Yeah, as a kid that grew up on stuff that was always counterfeit. Like, right. It, just because it said cheese. Oh, the generic brand? Yeah, yeah. just because it, it said we, cheese yeah. didn't mean it was. Right, <laughs> yes. We were the, yeah, the, the king household of generics in where I grew up. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> well, the real thing um, is Jesus, and he is coming back. Mm-hmm. I had lunch with Jason today, our worship pastor, and he, as we were leaving, he goes, you know, man, we actually could be the generation that sees this. Like mm-hmm. it was like it hit him. Mm-hmm. It might have been the Tito's. I don't know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Said, the, Jesus said, "This generation shall not pass, pass away. away." When you yeah. see all these things happening, and we are the generation. I had a friend two weeks ago. He said, "You know, we've always had wars. We've always had. There's always been famines. We've mm-hmm. we've always had this stuff." Um, and I said, "Yeah, that's true. But we've not always had Israel." And yeah. we are the generation that has seen we Israel. Saw it. We saw it, yeah. Come to life again in, in May 14th, 1948. That's the key. Yeah. And that's when the clock started ticking. And that's yeah. why Jesus said, This generation shall not pass away until all these things yeah. happen. And we're seeing them not only happen, we see the season that we're in, we're seeing them converge. They're all happening at once because yeah. when the three of us were growing up, well, there'd be a hurricane. But then maybe six months later, there'd be an earthquake, yeah, yeah. you know. But now it's like every day, yeah. hurricane, earthquake, typhoon. We just, everything yeah. is happening at once. And to that end, he's coming back for his bride. Mm-hmm. And it says that the bride that he's coming, she's going to be wearing a, a dress of white linen that was given to her. Mm-hmm. In Revelation 19, and it says it's this it speaks of the righteousness of God's people. And that righteousness is a righteousness given to us, not earned by us. And I want whoever, if you're listening, I want you to be there with us. This bride of Christ that we get to be a part of. Because a bride, this is a beautiful picture. A bride, my bride got my name. My bride got my money, got my everything, and I got the same. We, what's mine is yours, what's hers is mine. That's a beautiful thought that we are the bride of Christ. The metaphor of children is another metaphor that's used, that we are co-heirs with Christ. Like we're in the family. And I would love for you to be sure that that is you. Um, you can pray right where you are. Uh, you don't need me, you know, if you've ever had, well, repeat the prayer. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but just right where you are, just cry out to God. Ask for forgiveness. Tell him you believe that uh, that he is who he said he was, that he did die, that he was buried and resurrected. And, you know, repentance means I'm just turning around and I'm going the other way, following him. You can do that where you are. And you can email info at conduitchurch.com because someone would be honored to pray with you. Mm-hmm. If you're unsure, if you're scared, and you know, some people listen to talk like this, and we get encouraged and excited, and some people you listen and you get scared. Um, and I would love for someone to be able to pray with you uh, to help quell those fears, because the return of Christ is not a bad thing. The return of Christ is a glorious thing, 
because the Great Reset, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Klaus Schwab, mm -hmm. uh, it's just not going to, I mean, but the Great Restoration, the restoration of all things, uh, that is going to happen, mm -hmm. and we get to be a part of that. And I would love for everyone listening to this, your family, your children, uh, to all be a part of that I look forward to it so much, and I would look forward to it even more, knowing that uh, you listening would be with us on it. Donna, do you have any last thoughts before oh, we go? Oh no, I, I mean that was that was awesome, Darren. I would just encourage people, like we were talking, that Jesus Jesus wants us to wake up, to be alert, and to watch. And I just encourage everyone to pray for the truth of Jesus to be revealed in your own life, in the lives of your kids that they would know the truth of Jesus because this world is so noisy and it is so loud and Jesus warned about deception that was his first words to his yep. disciples when they said what's the sign of your coming he said do not be deceived <laughs> so right. we know that in the years prior to his coming that deception is going to flood the earth so I would just encourage you pray for the truth of Jesus to flood your own heart and your mind. Yeah, Mo? Yeah, if you're thinking about kind of what we talked about a little bit earlier, you're thinking about investing into the kingdom, hop over to conduitchurch.com. On the front page there, we have a couple of the different mission efforts that we are working through right now, um, both in Uganda and Haiti um, and yeah. in uh, Southeast Asia and would love you know for you to partner with us if that if the Lord puts that on your heart, um, based on some of the things we were talking about just a little bit ago. You can find that on our website. Yeah, and I would say for the last thought for me is wash yourself in the Word. Um, mm -hmm. I can think of no better whether it's through an app. Um, like I joked on Sunday, but my wife listens to the Calm, uh, not the Calm app, the Dwell app, where this British guy just reads the Bible. But the word of God is just being read throughout our house. Like she'll walk around with it in her back pocket and the word of God is just mm -hmm. being read. Um, so whether it's that, whether it's you physically sitting down and reading or just balance it out, wash yourself in the word and allow that to cleanse you instead of the the fears and the anxieties and the pressures of this world pecking away at you. Uh, we're going to need you. We need you strong. We need you awake. Uh, there is much to do in the kingdom of God. And uh, this glorious bride is a courageous bride. She's not a cowering bride. And we have much to do in these days, weeks, and months ahead so that when our Jesus comes back, he finds us not sleeping, but wide awake with oil in the lamp. Like that's what we want to be found mm -hmm. with it. So thank you again. You have just spend another hour maybe drive to and from work i don't know um with us and we it means a lot and we're grateful for it um drop us a line if you're listening questions even just let us know you're listening it's kind of fun to when we do hear from people that you're listening info at conduitchurch.com uh if you're in the nashville area we would love to have you on sunday uh we have three services 8 30 10 11 30 and of course, you can catch us online. I know that there are those like uh, Joe Pettibone in St. Louis. I know you've been listening from St. Louis and watching online on Sundays. Uh, we'd love to know that you're watching online as well. So thank you. God bless you guys. And uh, we will catch you next week. 